Hello, welcome to the Active Ingredient Podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Wheel, and this is your destination for all things growth. Okay, Megan is back on the podcast and we're doing another intentional PR and brand building episode. And I'm just so excited to be doing it with my right hand and to be just going through questions that we talk about pretty much on a daily basis. Welcome back. Hey, excited (laughs) to be here. (laughs) Also, if you are tuning in for the first time, Megan did her whole kind of life journey episode recently. So I'll link it in the show notes. If you guys want to get a better idea of Megan's backstory, her philosophy on brand building, just like the journey that got her here. I am so lucky and blessed to be able to build this thing and build other brands with you by my side, literally the best in the game. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And if you hear me say like at any point, just (laughs) give me a little nod. (laughs) So Megan did the podcast for the first time, like I'm saying, and she has been mortified listening back to herself (laughs) on this podcast and hearing how many times she says like, and I honestly didn't even notice it when she did it, but I will say if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking or have like an inkling of like doing speaking and getting yourself out there, legitimately nothing will humble you more than being on a podcast. Like I could tell you that right now. No, I need to go to a speaking camp after that to, (laughs) or just a rehab for saying like, it is such a crutch in my daily life. And ever since I've just been so aware of it and it's very eye-opening. It's very eye-opening. Give me a um, shot if you hear me say like <laughs> when I, I don't will, but to. I honestly, I get lost in these conversations and I don't even notice. Totally. And funny enough, when I did the podcast with Kiki, my sister, and also co-founder of Piano Piano, like that episode has not seen the light of day because of the amount of times that she said like, and she did not allow for it to go live and you did. So I know she's listening and I think it's time for her to come back because she was humbled in her first <laughs> active ingredient experience. She texted me after the episode. I don't know if she told you, but she was just saying it was a good episode or whatever. And I was saying how I heard myself say like so many times because she was like, oh, you speak so eloquently. And I was like, no way. I think I say like so many times. And she was like, oh, my God, you have no idea. You have to listen to my episode. And I was like, did I ever send it to you? She I feel bad. She will not let me. She will not let me. No, she will not let me. And even the idea of her coming back on the podcast, like I think she was so traumatized by it (laughs) that it's going to take a lot to get her back on here. She did say she was open to the idea if you were asking both of us questions, which I thought was, yeah, I feel like that actually makes me feel better because I think the weird thing, and I don't know why I didn't feel it with you. I felt like, and maybe it's because like we do this thing together. So it doesn't feel so out of left field, but with Kiki kind of did, it felt weird me asking my sister questions that I know about her, you know? Yeah. I can see how that would be weird. I felt like the only thing was in the beginning when you were like, tell me about my story. I was like, it feels so weird telling you because you, because I know your story. Yeah, Yeah, totally. So, I mean, this is a petition for Kiki to come back and do another episode. So with all that said, we are going to be talking about PR and brand building. And I think that that's actually a good kickoff is talking about, you know, just speaking your story, speaking your truth. And the first few times that you do that, you will be humbled probably. And it's, it just takes trial and error. And I've been doing this podcast for four years and I catch myself all the time still saying like a thousand percent, you know, you know, is my new one. 
It's like, I don't think I'm taking that one away. So I know words are such a thing. And I just have so much respect for people who speak so eloquently and don't use them. And that's just my number one goal in life. So you prepared a little bit for this. I have absolutely no idea what you are going to be asking. I think I have like a high level because we've been touching base before on just general things and what our goal is with the episode, but we're going to be answering just questions that we get asked a lot when it comes to brand building, when it comes to getting your message out there. For anyone who doesn't know, aside from this podcast, I also have a brand building and PR agency called Nude Nation that Megan has helped me build. And we help brands amplify their message across all organic channels, meaning on media, on podcasts, on speaking engagements, awards, influencer seating, just strategic building of a brand from a 360 approach. And we do get asked a lot of similar questions often. And I think that this audience is an audience of people who have big ambitions in life. And a lot of them have reached out saying that they're either in the midst of launching their brand or they have thought about it, or they are already brand builders, or they're marketers who are building other people's brands. So I think that this can just be useful to anyone, or at least kind of sharing from our thought process you know, what we think is relevant, what we don't, what's working, et cetera. So hit me. Okay. So I feel like you just alluded to it right now. You mentioned just how many different vehicles there are in this day and age. And I actually wrote a list down. I was thinking before the podcast, there are podcasts right now, magazines, digital outlets, newsletters, influencers, social media within social media there's tiktok instagram pinterest facebook and i could go on and on there's retailers partnerships and these are all things that we do for our clients because all of these things fall under the bucket of press now and i think even for us sometimes it's very overwhelming to sift through okay what makes sense what is a priority what is really going to resonate now So for someone who is new to the space, is building their personal brand, is launching a product, has a recently launched product or brand, just what do you say to someone who asks, how do I know what vehicle is right for me and where do I even begin? That's such a good question. And it is, and I hate to give this answer because it's an answer I'll probably give to a lot of things. A lot of these things are dependent on the type of brand that it is, but I'm going to answer it because I feel like this audience is very mission driven. I'm going to answer it based off of someone who has launched or is thinking of launching a brand that is solving for their own problem and it's mission driven. I would not sleep on the power of your own story, you as the founder. And in the beginning, if you don't have the capital to work with agency or someone else, Also, don't underestimate the power of you sharing your own message on platforms that are free, meaning on your own Instagram, on TikTok, on YouTube, on whatever platforms that you can get your hands on to just share your message and share it in however many ways you can to just get it out there. The practice will also help you kind of refine what is landing and what's not. So I know that that's not necessarily like a vehicle of external validation or external stamp of approval because you're kind of like sharing that yourself. But I kind of want to start there because I do feel like so many people that listen to this show are just deeply 
mission driven. And if you are solving for something that you needed yourself, no one will be able to express that better than you. And even when you are at the point of working with a consultant, an agency or whoever, it's your job to rally everyone behind that message and be so clear about it and so clear about why it exists every single day that you starting to do it on platforms that you can own will only help you just refine the messages that are landing also, you know, like you can say, and Geeky says this with how I say the piano piano story all the time, I could be talking about it for 8 million years, you know, but there are high notes within the story that I know land with people more. So kind of just getting it out there, practicing, saying your story. I would say if it's a physical product company, really looking at your existing network of creators that you can gift product to. And I said this yesterday, was it yesterday or like a few days ago? Just if you have a physical products company, like finding ways that you can make a cost-effective either sample or travel size of something that is something that you think about very early on within your business that is cost-effective that you can just have product in people's hands. If it's an adjustable product, can you have that product in someone's mouth in a very easy way for them to try it and allow for the product to speak for itself? We were talking this morning about just the timeline of building a brand and, you know, specifically in the beginning phases where, you know, you really want to see ROI and see things kind of turn around in a well, well oiled machine way in order for that to actually happen there does need to be a groundswell of organic interest of organic kind of like a movement and growth. And that does require a lot of legwork that requires a lot of networking and who, you know, to just start getting the credibility to then go and start doing bigger ticket items because you don't want to do it prematurely. You don't, you don't want to go to a massive retailer with no one talking about your brand. Unless you are, you know, celebrity backed or have like specific type of advisors or investors that like, that is something that you can like speak to or that your product itself is a true, true, true innovation. And maybe it's, you know, clinically trialed or something that you can speak to it being different than what's out there. But those are, those are way, there are way fewer of those brands out there. So I would say that building groundswell before going out to huge, huge things. So tapping into your network, getting product that you can easily sample, easily send to creators, easily send to podcast hosts, editors, and just getting the product in the hands of people is step one. I don't know if I answered the question. Yeah, I think you did. And I think I just want to double down on one thing that you just mentioned, the network, I think is even just zooming out, just building a brand getting your product out there, building awareness, building buzz, building a personal brand, a personal following, and really just anything in life, your network is everything. So for someone who's just starting out or is maybe pivoting to a different industry, is starting over in their career, is moving to a new city, do you have any tips for how to start building those relationships and identifying who those key, I think you and Ben, your business coach, call this the goose eggs or something. Mm-hmm. Something like, I always forget what it's Golden called. It's basically, like, it's basically like the hyper networked people within your life that yeah. bring opportunity or that like are rallying for you. So I'm going to answer first, like if you are really at the beginning phase of building your network, I would look at who is like within your contemporaries. I feel like 
an inkling would be like, oh, I want to know the editor in chief of this magazine. It's like, who is within your like eyeline at places? Those people are going to grow in their roles and they will eventually become editor in chiefs or they will eventually become the main podcast producer or founder or whatever. I think it's being clear on who your demographic is and where the places are that you want to invest in. And then figuring out who is kind of like at your eyeline in those places that you can easily reach out to and say, hey, I am a huge fan of your work. Do your due diligence. I'm a huge fan of your work. I respect the hell out of what you guys are doing over at wherever. And I believe that what I'm doing right now could potentially be of use for your audience and that it would be mutually beneficial. I think that something that you and I are so for is not doing anything that feels like a favor or that it feels like you're like begging someone to do something for you, which is why we're so discerning on who we work with and making sure that the products that we get behind are truly, truly incredible because there is absolutely nothing worse than getting or having to feel like you have to send an email to just convince someone or to like beg someone to care about something. It's like, no, no, what you have to offer is incredible. And you see this outlet as like such a great home for this that is mutually beneficial to their audience, to their followers, to their listeners, whatever the platform is. And that you would just like love to understand a bit more of like how they work. Maybe if you're in the same city, taking them out to coffee. I know that that's, that's a big red flag conversation of people not wanting to go and get like pick your brain type coffees. I don't think you should frame it as pick your brain. I think it's more like, Hey, like we're in the same fields. Like, I think it'd be so fun to go get a coffee together. Or personally, my favorite way to connect with people is to go to a yoga class and then go have coffee. I also take people out to dinner, but I invest in the, in the places and spaces that are in alignment with what I'm up to in the world because it's mutually beneficial. They are going to care about what I'm doing and I care about what they're doing. And both together make magic. So finding what those places are and then investing in that. And I think like if you're starting out, just like get your sea legs into, it's awkward sometimes, you know, like getting your sea legs into speaking to someone new, it's like dating, finding people that are within your eyeline and then building that muscle and seeing what people ask you, you know, in those quote unquote dates to get just more comfortable and just know what to expect in them, I would say. But yeah, look at hot tip for any gal, any gals in their twenties or thirties, or just dating in general. I actually find that it helps so much with dating. Like I am never nervous when I go on a date. Really? Yeah, because I just haven't gone on a date since literally the 1700s. So I don't. (laughs) I wouldn't know. I feel like I go on enough bad dates for the both of us. So, but it just—I mean—it's a really good life skill in general too. Just not even specific to dating, but just a good life skill to be able to have a conversation with someone out of nowhere and just be able to find the common ground with someone and something that you can connect with people on. Yeah. And to your point and with anything in life, it's, it's something that you're going to have to do a few times or a few hundred times to get the hang of it. And you're still going to have one that you're like, Oh, like that wasn't maybe my best work or something every once in a while. It happens. It still happens to me. Same. And it's just, but it's a really good life skill in general, I think, and will be an immense game changer, especially if you're trying to build a brand, build a business, tell your story. I love it. And I also think that everyone has different styles. Like I remember when I started working in PR, I would go to these like coffee dates or breakfast with my boss. And like the way that she 
went about it is so absolutely not the way that I go about it still to this day. It's like everyone has their own like flavor of how they communicate. I personally do not like making it about a business transaction ever. Like I care about the human. And so like for me, when I'm at a coffee date or whatever, it's like maybe 90% of the conversation is about life and like about their relationship, my relationship, like the cities that we're living in, what's exciting us, whatever. And then 10% of it is about like what they're up to from a work perspective and what I'm up to from a work perspective. Like everyone has their own style. And even some people on the other side might be giving me like the energy of wanting to just get to the point. And so it's also being able to kind of like read the dynamic with the person that you're with, that you're meeting with. But it's again, to your point, trial and error of getting out there and like seeing what fits for you. For me in all of my years of doing it, what makes me feel most like myself and that I'm able to talk about the things that light me up is just literally like talking to the person like a human and not like a person that's going to like grow my brand or that is going to like put my product on the map or my client's product on the map. Like it's more like you're a cool ass human. We clearly have a lot of things in alignment and in common. And I just care about what you're up to. And I think that you would probably care about what I'm up to too, but I just want to know about your life, you know? Yeah. And to your point, just another huge benefit is you really understand how to read people, I think, and just read a room and yeah, like having this intention going in, but also just being flexible and being able to get someone's vibe and adjust to make them comfortable as well and just make it a mutually beneficial, make it something where everyone's comfortable Mm -hmm. and everyone feels like they got something out of it, even if it's just a connection or something. So being open-minded and you, when you were saying that, it kind of brought to mind for me, you were talking about how everyone has a different way of going about it. And I think something that I struggled with even in my early days of being in PR that we kind of talked about just finding my identity in our last episode. And I think something I struggled with early on was like, I really admired you for how you were just able to like walk into a room and make people feel comfortable and like be casual and just like find that common ground with everyone. And I think for a while, I mean, that's something that takes so much experience to really be able to do it in a way that seems so effortless and I think for a long time with the imposter syndrome I would beat myself up too of like oh but Sophie does it this way and like Sophie is so great at doing x y and z and not even just you specifically just in general this person is doing it this way and I love their communication style and why can't I just be like that like I just want to be able to do it like this so I feel like that comparison thing is an interesting thread to pull out too of Maybe there's someone who's listening who is launching a product, is launching a brand or building that brand. And again, going back to there's so much noise, like so much content out there. There's so many channels, so many vehicles to tell your story through. How do you balance like being in the know of all of these things, being on the pulse and just seeing and taking inspiration from other people's playbooks and other people's stories? but not playing the comparison game. They're doing it like this. And that was so successful. And I really admire that. And how do you just, how do you pull inspiration without beating yourself up about it and just copy and pasting too much, you know? I mean, that is such a good question. And 
I, I don't know that I have it on lock, but I think that I've like worked on myself enough to have that kind of reflect how we do things with our clients. And I think that you can probably see it too. Like we, I'll give an example. Everyone and their mother does collaborations with air one and does like their product being a smoothie at air one. Right. It's a great concept. It's super cool. You know, it's such a stamp of approval. Delicious, tried, by the delicious. way. <laughs> yeah. Literally Megan and I's toes landed in LA and where did we go straight to air one to try Haley Bieber's air one smoothie. I personally, from a marketing standpoint, I am so bored by that. I am not motivated by it. It does not excite me. I'm not super excited to hop on a zoom with a client to tell them that our idea is to do an air one smoothie. You know what I mean? So for me, I love to draw inspiration like that. I love the idea of collaborating with something to create something together. You know, like what is it about the air one smoothie that I find interesting and then how can that, or how can that inspiration from that somehow, maybe it's in a diluted way that then gets activated by a different, a different channel or a different thing, but like, there's something in here that's calling my attention. What is it? And then how does that translate into what makes sense for either me as a person, or if we're talking about clients for my client and their brand mission and their ethos, and then making it make sense for that. And that's, that's kind of how I go about it. Like from a personal and professional standpoint is like, instead of being, and I I've said this before on the podcast, like jealousy is, or comparison is something that if reframed, if you can shift it into saying, no, actually there's, there is something about this that's revealing that it's, it's showing me that there's something that I want in here, that there's something that I just want to get curious about. What is it? Like, what is it? Is it the feeling that like someone is ingesting this, this thing, like this smoothie? Is it that it's colorful? Is it that it's, you know, in the wellness Mecca? What is it? Because there's a, there's an undercurrent thing about it. That's interesting to you. That's reflecting something in you that you want, whether it be for you again, like personally for yourself or for your brand. And yeah, I think that that's like, that's a slight little reframe that has helped me so much. You know, actually where it really landed for me was when I did the episode with my cousin, Patty, the, she's a therapist and she said it on that show. She's like, every single time that you feel jealous of someone or that you feel like you're in comparison with that person, all it's doing is revealing something about you that you haven't tapped in yet, maybe, or that you feel like you haven't maybe reached that potential in something but all it is, is just a call to get curious. And from a brand building perspective, I always go to like, when I get chills, like I just got them right now. Like when I get like a feeling when we're talking about brainstorming for ideas for clients or something, like, am I getting a feeling that excites me? Like if the idea of doing an air one smoothie came across my desk, like I would not be getting full body chills, you know, like doing something out of the box that maybe was inspired by that, but then like taken in a whole other different direction that like was the, the seed came from that, but then it was just like taken in a direction that makes so much more aligned sense for that brand that we're talking about. That excites me. And I feel it physically, like physiologically in my body. Yeah. And I think to your point, the episode with Patty, that's just a really good life skill too, for anyone who's listening, who is not launching a brand, launching a product, whatever it is just getting curious about all of your feelings or just things that come up instead of judging them and trying to push them away, just get curious. And I think mm -hmm. too, I mean, it's so cheesy, but you can only control yourself. I'm reading Man's Search for Meaning right now. And it's so interesting to just 
have that reminder of the only like the only thing no one can take away from you is that you can control how you respond to things and you control how you view perspective on things and just having that that ability to have things come up recognize it be aware and just be curious about it and use just everything as data and just everything as a learning lesson and just like okay like what is this trying to teach me like where is this coming from why do I feel this way is it maybe something deeper that this is just raising a red red flag for I think that's just a really good amazing for branding but just a really great life skill too and kind of on that note something we talk about a lot you've talked about it on the podcast we talk about it internally we talk about it with our clients is PR really only works if you want to do it intentionally for the long term and just in a very mindful way it only works if the founder or the person behind the brand has done inner work on themselves to be able to get to an emotionally stable place to a place not even stable that's the wrong word but just a place where they're really doing it for the right reasons and you're almost detached from the outcome so with that said maybe what are some things a person can do before they go into this really huge journey of launching a brand that can put them or even once they've launched it, just what are those things that you can do to work on yourself to get to a place where you're ready to, and you're not doing it for the intention of being ready to Mm -hmm. for your brand or do press, but maybe what are some of the markers and what are the things that you can do to get there to that place where you're ready? I am obsessed with this question. You know that I'm really passionate about it. And it's not to say that we're looking for our clients to be like, perfect healed, have, you know, the stability 24 seven. I am not like that. You're not like that. Like we're humans. So we totally understand that there's ebb and flow and we work with a lot of thought leaders. So you would think that like with thought leadership where it's about the person and what their thoughts are, like what their view is on things, the, the ego part can definitely play a role in here. I think the first question to ask yourself is, is what you're talking about bigger than you? Like, is it something that remove you from it? Like remove you from being the one talking about the brands? Like as a standalone, is the mission of what you are putting out in the world bigger than the thing that is being sold? That's like, I think the easiest way to kind of understand where you're at. Like if the article didn't mention you, but mentioned the mission, would you be happy? You know, like if, if, at the end of the day, like it didn't necessarily mean sales, but it impacted someone to like live the lifestyle of what you're putting out in the world. Would you be happy? And I feel like I've felt these feelings about brands before. I feel like I didn't maybe have language to it, but I've never felt it so just potently as I did when launching piano piano with my sister. And I still, and it's, it's so interesting because active ingredient is way more like I'm more tied to it because it's not a physical thing. It's like, I am the one speaking on it. It's my face on it. It's, it's tied closer to me. And I will say blatantly here, I have a way harder time separating active ingredient from me, the person. And you know, this firsthand that I have way more roadblocks with that because I feel more closely attached to it. 
where Piano Piano, the mission and the product and everything as a standalone. I've just never felt so content with the mission and everything. And there's like a step removal from me that feels like I can allow it to grow and do everything in my power to get that mission to grow, you know? So I would definitely, and it's a work in progress. And like, I'm literally seeing myself operate in both of these things and seeing the difference in both. So like, I have so much respect and empathy with our clients that are doing thought leadership with them, their name, if their name is like within the name of their agency or whatever it is, like I have true, true empathy for that because it's a whole other ball game when it's that closely tied to you. But at the end of the day, it's still the same work. It's just that one is like, I think a little bit deeper work than the other, because it's just you, you know? So the question is, does the message is what you're putting out there in the world bigger than the actual product? And can you yourself validate it? Like at the end of the day, if you put your head on your pillow at night and say, I took steps today to get that mission out in the world, whether it be the tiniest little step, but I did something to get it out in the world, whether it was received externally or not, can you see that? And I have an active practice of doing this. And sometimes I'm more in it and sometimes I'm not, but it's so easy for me to see in other people when they're putting in the work and when they're like showing up and I, I reaffirm it in my clients, I reaffirm it in you, I reaffirm it in other people. It's really hard for me to see it in myself. And I think a lot of people can probably relate to that. And I actually have a practice that I go in and out of sometimes when I feel like I'm disconnected from my own self-validation that I will write down like today, I'm proud of you for X, Y, and Z that got you closer to this mission. There's been eras where like I'll in my to-do list, right? Like today, like the mission is X and today I'm getting closer by Y. Like what is that one thing that's getting me closer today to the overall thing? I don't know if this is helpful, but that's kind of my view on it. But I will say that like, being both from the active ingredient side and from the piano piano side, like I, I, it's like, I feel like I have it more on lock with like not feeling the need for the outcome on piano piano than I feel with active ingredient. It feels really close to home for me on both of them, but it feels like it feels different, you know? Totally. I mean, it's not easy work and it's a lifelong journey, but yeah, I think that just when you can remove yourself from the outcome and remove the ego, I think is a huge thing. And just be confident enough and secure enough in yourself and in the brand and the business that it will end up in the hands of the right people. And just trust, like have a lot Trusting. of trust in the universe. And that the is process. literally my, that's my word for this year. And I heard someone say this and I can't remember who it was, but it really stuck with me because I feel like in phases of my business, I've definitely done this, but to not abuse your business, to give, to fill a void that you have not filled yourself. You cannot abuse your business in that way. Your business will never fill the void. The article will never fill the void. The only person on planet earth that can fill the void is you and the clients and brands that have gone the furthest distance or that have stuck around the longest is a group of people or individuals who their own self has been validated first and everything else is gravy. Everything else is like 
yes, it's moving the mountain. It's moving the rock up the mountain, whatever. But, and I say this, like, I'll say it again. Like I have definitely been in phases and I'll go in and out of phases and I'll catch myself now because that's the work, right? Like that's the awareness of being able to catch yourself when you're in it, but to abuse your business, to give you the stamp of approval that you're looking for outside of yourself, like will only deplete your teams. It will only deplete, it, it will ultimately only deplete your, your own soul, you know? So, and it's human also, like, it's also like giving yourself grace that like, that is a human thing, but it really stuck with me one time. I can't remember who it was that said that, but it's like, don't abuse your business to fill a void in you that you have not filled yourself. That's so true. And it's a great lesson for just anyone working in general. Like we talked about on my episode, I struggled a lot with putting my identity in work and that was my whole life. And if work went well, I was doing well. And if work went bad, I was doing bad mentally. And you just can't put all of your validation and all of your worth into one single thing. You just got to like do the work on yourself and it all starts within. It's not in anything that's outside. It's not, it's not in one thing that's outside of you. Like there's not one thing outside of you that exists that can do that for you other than you. And again, like this isn't to say that our clients are these perfect, like superhuman or non-human things that like don't struggle with those things, of course. And again, especially for people who are doing something that is filling like the gap in the market that you didn't see, like you're solving for your own problem or like you're the, the face of something or whatever, like, especially in those cases, which I think a lot of the active ingredient listeners are within that camp. Like it's the deepest work, but it's also the most fulfilling work. So it's, it's both and it's a process. And it's also having grace when you're coming in and out of those times, it's finding ways to maybe make those not make them, but like the hope is that the times when you're in phases where you're abusing your business or you're trying to like get something from outside of you, like you can shorten those times or catch them faster. You know, at least that's my approach to it. I don't think that, I mean, I don't know, maybe hopefully one day it's just like something that is not, but I'm not, I'm not of the mind of trying to be perfect in that. I'm just of the mind of like, just trying to evolve in it and like soften in it and like being like, this is human. And I also can see myself out of this, you know? It's so human, but it's like, you have to remember that or just think about it in the way of like, your brain thinks that the easier thing to do in the moment if you're going through something is to just put more into work or like put more into your business and do a little bit more work to get that external validation. And you think that that's just easier. And yes, it's a quick fix. It's like putting a bandaid on it. But in the long run, it's going to hurt you more. And something my therapist always says is what hurts or what hurts worse. What hurts worse right now is doing is taking a step back, calming your like putting your fighting with your mind a little bit to take a step back and to not immediately give in to it's going to make me feel better right now if I do three more hours of work. Or if I do this thing just to get that external validation, it's going to hurt worse 
to pull myself out of it and to not give into that. It's going to hurt worse. If I go to bed or if I go for a walk, my mind is going to be reeling with these are all the things I should be doing right now. These are all the things I could be doing. I could be doing more in this way and that way. But it's a practice. And as like as you start to do it more and more, you get a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more comfortable. And in the long run, that deep, deep work that you do to unlearn all of that and relearn it in a healthier way is going to get you way farther. 1,000%. 1,001%. It's something that actually as of late, I mean, you're going to be like, Sophie, how did this come into this episode? But, you know, I'm obsessed with human design. I've talked about human design 5 million times on this podcast and I am a projector. And I was really, when I found out that I was a projector, which I mean, this is like not, this is not giving human design enough credit. Cause I'm going to kind of like dumb it down a ton, but basically like projectors are not here to actually like do execution work. We're here to guide. And it says that like the maximum amount of hours of output that a projector is like in their best energy is three to four hours a day, which if I'm operating, like actually truly allowing myself to do that and not feel the guilt and not like, feel like if I just did that one more email, if I just did that one more send out, if I just did that one more, whatever, whatever it is, like if I, and it's been a process because I've now been like learning about this for, I don't know, maybe like six, maybe more months now. And it's like starting little, like starting in smaller ways of being like, okay, you know what? Like my energy is completely off right now. I don't feel energetically aligned to send this pitch and I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do myself or my client a disservice. It's, it's like, it's definitely a time and a place, right? Cause there's like certain times that like you're on deadlines or whatever, for whatever reason, like we're still operating within this system that is not optimized for doing everything under the, under the guise of your energy so far, hopefully we see it in our lifetime that everything is like this, but slowly starting to honor like the way that I actually operate and it's less is more for me. I I have way more impact, way more results, way more everything when I actually honor that and that I'm not putting the worth in how many hours I worked that day, or I'm not putting the validation in how many emails did I get out today? Like that, that isn't it for me. It's like, what did I learn about today? That's going to influence the way that I am guiding my clients. What did I like feel my whole body give me a fuck yes in? Because knowing that within, maybe it's a podcast I'm listening to. That's a podcast that I want my client on. This podcast has power and me allowing myself to see that as part of my work is only making everything better around me. Who cares if I'm sending emails that don't even get a response just to say that I sent 80 emails? Who cares? Literally, who cares? So it's like, it's twofold. It's like the first part of it is really just slowly starting to unwind the narrative of like more is more. And second, it's like, this is like specific to human design, but in life, just knowing your own energy and then not categorizing the way that your energy operates as like lazy for me. And I think a lot of, if you're listening and you're a human design person, like a lot of projectors probably feel this is like that you can be put in a box of like not doing enough or being lazy, but not at all. Like my offer, not execution time is like literally the time where I am finding out 
of the the space that I saw yesterday that I literally felt in my soul I needed to go see a potential space that I want to create something in or that I met with someone and that person is going to help grow all of our clients' businesses tenfold. That is more valuable. A thousand percent. And those are the things that are going to move the needle versus just checking a box, Mm -hmm. like you said. Mm -hmm. How do you measure success in PR? I think for PR in general, I define success by the building blocks that end up seeing momentum that's more consistent, probably in like year one and a half. If you're in the early phases of starting something, like I really see doing the small brick by brick things that I know are the things that lead to getting the yes for that podcast that then opens doors for potential retailers, that then opens doors for potential activations and partnerships, that then opens doors for the feature in Forbes, Inc., Fastco, whatever. It's all a building. So I actually see every little win as wins. And knowing the phase of the businesses, again, to answer how I said earlier, like it depends on the phase of your business and where it's at. But it really does depend. But like for the sake of this answer, like I define success by like, is there forward momentum on putting bricks in place that expand you to like-minded audiences? And that could be Instagram live. That could be a podcast. That could be an influencer talking about your product. That could be being in a newsletter, but the compilation of all of those things together, like is the train moving? And there are times when the train is moving slower, especially in the beginning. If you're just starting, the train is like really barely moving. Okay. For a really long time. And then it starts going and then it starts going and it's a snowball effect. And we've talked about this before, but it it is a snowball effect. Press builds on press. Think about it this way. Like, I mean, with active ingredients, I get pitches all the time. Right. And when I'm looking for who like the guests are that are going to be on this podcast, like if it's someone that does not have press, like it had to have been through like you that tells me like, Oh, I heard this person on a podcast. They're so incredibly well-spoken and they had so many amazing things to say. Like you're giving me that, that like, yes, I trust you. Okay, great. But for the most part, I'm looking at like, where have they spoken before so that I can hear them. And I look at where they've been covered, whatever, like that's, that's just like part of the process of like seeing where people are at. And I know that that's what editors do as well. When we're pitching a product, like who else has covered them? Where are they carried? What influencers are talking about them? What celebrity brands are behind them? Like all of those things matter. And it's, it's not, it doesn't all happen overnight. It's like literally brick by brick by brick by brick. What comes first? What comes first is the thing that feels like it's, it's, it's just the next best step. Like if you're a product and you have randomly one of your best friends from high school as an influencer, you gift your friend who's an influencer, the product, right? That's step one, that influencer, you look at who follows that influencer. You have no idea how many times Megan and I are like, our end goal is to get a client on a specific outlet. And we know that that editor follows the specific influencer. So we don't necessarily see the influencer as the end game. We're like, we need to get this influencer talking about it so that this editor that we know follows that influencer can cover or be interested in covering it. So it's like Tetris, (laughs) but I think that it's for anyone listening. It's like, what is within your world right now that actually seems like the reasonable and realistic first next step 
while planting seeds on places that may be like a little bit more of a stretch, but like within your world, where can you start just having conversations with people that can be the first kind of move? If that makes sense. It does. And I have two questions in response to that, that maybe we can end with. One is say you get the hit, you get a future in Vogue, you get a huge influencer like Lauren Bostic to post about your product. You get on an amazing podcast. What do you do with that? Hmm. Like, where do you go from there? How do you use that? I think something that's really prevalent right now is going viral. I think TikTok, a lot of people will go viral on TikTok and then it's like, okay, what do you like? That's amazing. That's huge. But then what do you do? Like, how do you really leverage it and maximize that opportunity as much as possible? And then my second question to you is, especially as a podcast host, I think we have a really interesting perspective on it, given one, we listen to podcasts, two, you have a podcast, and three, we are PR agents. How do you tell your story on different channels without it being repetitive? These are two absolutely excellent questions. I'm going to do the first one first. So depending on where you were placed, like let's say that it was actually, this is an an answer for no matter where you're placed, never let that be the last point of communication that you have with that editor. When people do huge coverage for our clients or when they're included in a roundup or an influencer talks about it, like we will send flowers. We, depending on who it is, like we'll send something a little bit more like thoughtful, meaningful, whatever, like thanking them for the inclusion. We keep those conversations live. We take them out to dinner where it's not like, oh, okay, you did that thing. And then bye, I'm never speaking to you again. Like done, check. We got Vogue. No, it's a continuous relationship. It's such a missed opportunity to just kind of like have that happen and then like let it die down. We also leverage a lot of the places that have been covered as credibility points to go to kind of like that next layer of type of outlet or type of, of exposure. So if we're seeing, you know, that our client has now been featured in Vogue, Harper's, Forbes, and Inc., and we're trying to get this placed on a specific type of podcast or a business podcast, you leverage that kind of back back story of where they've been covered. It depends. Like you don't necessarily really want to do this for another outlet, but like if you're going to a podcaster saying, hey, they've been covered in X, Y, and Z really helps kind of get you to like that next phase. So I think that that's another way to do it. That's not like it's not customer or external facing. That's more kind of like from a behind the scenes pitching perspective where you can use those names either in your email signature or just in the actual pitch itself, depending on who it is that you're sending it to. A lot of brands utilize being covered in press as ways to do sponsored ads on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, whatever, saying as seen on X. I know Shark Tank is a huge one for that. A lot of people say as seen on Shark Tank and we'll use that as ads. I'm not an expert in that. So like that's all I'm going to say about it. But I know that a lot of people do do that in your Instagram bio, in your newsletter, talking about like where you've been covered in your newsletter and what that means to you as the founder. 
adding your logos of where you've been covered on your website from a credibility standpoint is huge. Whether it's not even like the, it's not the thing that maybe like stamps the approval for the end customer. But like, if you're going to work with a partner and they go on your website and they see that you've been covered in those places, it just helps legitimize everything. And it makes it more likely that you're going to see more yeses. So not being afraid to just kind of like showcase where it is that you've been covered and finding the places where you can just kind of like let it be seen and let it be known. And I think that like the most obvious ones are like in your Instagram bio or like if you have a highlight on your brand Instagram talking about the places that you that you've been covered. And personally from like being media and podcasts with with Active Ingredient, when someone comes on the show and if they have their own newsletter and talk about the fact that they were on the show and link out to the show, like that is a huge, it's a, it's a mutually beneficial win. They're able to share their story with their community that way to their specific audience. And it also exposes my audience. So finding ways that you can just like communicate what you've been doing, what you've been up to with your audience and then places where those logos can live, I think is really helpful. And again, like we talk about all the time, like when we have to shift gears, when a client has like already gotten a groundswell or when we're going to like that next phase, like knowing what those things are that we can utilize in messaging to get us to that next level and knowing when the right time and who the right person is to do that with is extraordinarily useful. I'm in the midst of helping a brand right now with fundraising and like the amount of like, or like how useful it is to be able to say like, this brand has been covered in XYZ. They're carried in XYZ. They have done this all by doing XYZ. Like that is so, so, so useful. So that's the first question. Second question is, I think this is mostly prevalent in podcasts, but I think it applies to media influencers too, is how do you tell your story in Mm. multiple different channels on multiple outlets without it being repetitive? Okay. This is, I have like such a pet peeve with this and you know, like the podcast tour of like the person saying the same, I'm I'm thinking of a specific person who I love and I love the business that she's built, but she says the same damn story every time that she's on a podcast. And the thing that people need to know about podcasts is that like when someone loves a creator or loves a founder, like they are going to listen to every podcast that they have been on. So it's like, if you have that community of people that are like your loyal followers and they want to hear you speak on all these things, think of your friend listening to you say that same thing over and over and over again. There are definitely pillars within your story that are your story. And like, you're going to have to say it over and over again, but finding ways to change it up to maybe like make it a little more concise, knowing the audience, maybe it's going a little bit more in depth in one part of the story and like holding back on another. We are such like multidimensional humans. Like we don't need to, just because like certain things are talking points on a paper that your PR team might've given you does not mean that that's the thing that you need to be doing on podcasts. Like the best piece of advice is like actually be present in the conversation and think of actual lifetime examples that you have to answer the question that the podcast host is asking you in that moment. Like it seems so simple, but it's so obvious to me as a podcast host and marketer that like, if someone has talking points, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, and this is the point with that, that I figured it out. And this is the point that it started to build traction. And this is the point. No, 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 no. Like 
try going into into interviews blind. Like try going in like you're talking to a friend. And also thinking that like the key talking points that you normally hit, your friend has heard you say 500 times. So like, how can you make that a little bit different? Yeah, I think too, it's, I would say just knowing who the audience is that you're speaking to, like the person who's listening to Active Ingredient is very different than the person who's listening to Skinny Confidential, than the person who's listening to The Toast, than the person who's listening to Jay Shetty. And it's just about knowing who that audience is and leaning into it. And I think that ladders back to being very authentic. And we know authentic is a buzzword, but being very authentic with who you are, who your brand is, what your brand is, and not going after the shiny thing that has a lot of followers, has a lot of listeners that you think is going to be great for your business if it's not in alignment with who you are and just what your overall vibe is. One million percent. I couldn't agree more. And I think that I want to close this out by saying everyone is so fatigued by listening to people say the same thing over and over again. Megan and I have had millions of conversations of like how to do this show in a way that's not like, tell me the trajectory of your business and your whole life story, like how to make it like humanize your story, humanize everything about what you're doing because people rally behind people. And if you're the face of what you're doing, like, how can you make it as you as human as possible? And that that's the note that I want to end on. And it's like, that is what's going to take you the furthest. People want to help people like that's it. I would say, just think about it in terms of timing too. Like you hear so many authors say so many times I was offered a book deal five years ago when the timing just didn't feel right and I'm doing it now and it really hits because they have something to say they have a story to share so I think just being intentional with that too of when you're pitching when you're going on an outlet when you're going on a platform to share your story just like really just and this goes back to the inner work just do the inner work on yourself to be able to again it's not a destination it's always going to be a process but just do the inner work to be able to check in with yourself and be honest with yourself about these things. Obsessed. This has been such a joy. You are just a superstar. I'm obsessed. And I actually want to ask you a question right now. What are (laughs) one to two brands right now that are exciting you that you see and you're like, that's freaking cool what they're doing. So funny. I was going to ask you the same thing. Amelie Andre obsessed and sporty and rich I actually I'm wearing their t-shirt now which is funny but I actually think they're doing such a great job with partnerships and I'm always so fascinated to see who they're partnering with next love absolutely love you are welcome back here whenever actually we're gonna make this happen like this is gonna be at least a once a month situation I feel so much more alive doing things like this. So uh, you're just amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for getting to the end of the episode. And more importantly, thank yourself for choosing to learn more about how to come home to yourself. 
As always, take what resonates with you and simply let go of what doesn't. I would really appreciate it if you can give the show five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is that you listen, because that's the way that the show will continue to grow. And we are all about growth here. I'm sending you so much love and I will see you next week.